Hey guys, welcome to Journey Podcast. I'm your host Smita Kanturi. You're going to hear a new segment in Journey Podcast as Coach It Forward. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello everybody. I have Angus Nelson with me today. He helps high achieving men to align their lives with their purpose. He has worked with executives of the world's largest companies including Walmart, BMW, Coke, Hallmark and others as speaker, coach and facilitator. Basically, he has frank open conversations about issues high achieving men face. We are not kidding. These conversations with Angus about personal growth, vulnerability and getting unstuck are the ones that men in our audience are craving. Thank you for being here. It's an honor to have you. And yeah, please go ahead and tell us like, why do you even start the coaching? Oh, well, it's so great to be here, Smitha. Thank you so much for having me. And my story starts off in my first business. Uh, I started when I was just before turning 30 years of age. And I did what most of us do when things get difficult is I just worked harder. We'd made some mistakes. We got into some financial strain. I lost $72,000 in one weekend. And I felt I had to prove to everyone on my board, my family, my community that I could turn things around. And underneath the weight and pressure of working 60, 70, 80, 90 hour work weeks and feeling the pressure of my wife who didn't quite like what I was doing, uh, I turned to porn to cope with the pain and then soon turned to alcohol and that turned into sleeping around. And in short order, I lost the business. I lost uh, my marriage and I lost my sense of self. And in all of that, I went through just a really dark period of time and I got counseling and started learning about personal development and behavioral psychology and all these areas that I never knew before. And suddenly self-awareness started kicking in, emotional intelligence. Flash forward years later, I'm working in corporate America. I'm running an association with you know, Fortune 500 brands, names you've heard of, over 74 companies from Walmart to General Electric to Whole Foods to BMW, Coca-Cola, et cetera, et cetera. And I started to see some of the same patterns in my clients. And I'd be on calls where we were supposed to talk about digital transformation and innovation. And instead, we were talking about some of their own personal issues and fears. And I realized I had a gift. I had a gift for seeing into their muck and mire and giving them guidance and a light. And I started to pursue this uh, area of coaching, realizing like it's a thing. It's a real, real thing. And uh, I've been doing it now for about five years. And I started off coaching on the side while I had a day job. And then uh, during the pandemic, I was given the opportunity to go full time. And I haven't looked back. It's been an amazing journey. Wow. wow. You, you do have a day job? I, mean, I do you, not. You no, this is, this is all I do. All I do is work with men. I work one-on-one. I have a mastermind program um, that I'm starting the second cohort here very shortly. And then I also have uh, an academy and all of this is based around my alignment tool called the manhood matrix. When you were mentioning that you went into bad habits, I'm just calling it as bad habits or like yeah, unknown areas that you were just uh, finding your comfort when you lost your money. Why do you think people just tend to go for like alcohol or like any other uh, things in that way when they go down in their life? Why do you, th- there was a question, why do I think they do? Yes. It's easy. It's easy to placate and to numb the pain. And we think that 
pursuing alcohol or drugs or sex or any of these things are going to bring us pleasure. And we've confused pleasure and pain because on the other side of that quote unquote pleasure is nothing more than more pain. But we think in our minds, if we get personal development, if we get coaching, if we get counseling, if we get a therapist, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to admit that I'm weak. I'm going to have to admit that I, um, that I have needs. I'm going to have to admit that I can't do this on my own. And that level of vulnerability seems scary and too painful. And yet on the other side of that level of uh, admission and vulnerability and transparency is nothing more than power and joy and peace. And so therefore, the things that we think will give us pleasure bring us pain, but the things that we perceive to be painful actually bring us pleasure. I heard girls are like the female people are more uh, okay in sharing their stories than uh, a male figure. Is that just because like um, a saying that the yeah, man up kind of a... Uh, perspective or is there anything else that you foresee talking to all these people or like you you understood talking to all these people like why men don't talk about their pain what they're going through mm -hmm. um well there's several sides to it you know one from a cultural standpoint over years of history if you look at the way that cities were run and women were part of the township um, where they would gather around the fountains and engage in others and became very comfortable in discussion. And, and mind you, this is very, very stereotypical. I'm, I'm, I'm covering a lot of this, you know, just yes. above and abroad. And for men, there's a whole lot of uh, engagement of work and being out in the field or being at war. And so they were left to dealing with, you know, different components of isolation. And men got really good at sticking to their own head. Hmm. And so if you follow the line of that trajectory, now we get into the industrial revolution. And again, people go into work and they endure, you know, their 40 or 50 hour work week, or they go to war throughout the last, you know, century, 19th century. All of that took men away, and then we lost a lot of men to death, to hmm. wartime. And now two sides of that. One is there's so many children who didn't have father figures, who didn't have a model or a mentor. And so now you have that aspect of it, and tied into that, you now had these women who had to rise up and provide for their families in new ways that weren't always uh, required of them culturally. And then we came, you know, to these other movements of women entering into the workforce uh, because they had to take care of their kids, because they had to uh, be empowered about their own futures and being liberated from the uh, cliche cultural things of norm of the past and now being liberated to having their own place, their own voice, their own abilities and capacities. And so they become far, you know, again, broad generalities, but more bold, more connected and more engaged, right? And their emotional maturity is so much more uh, kind of baked into what's expected. On the other side of the coin, men have continually gone inward. Mm -hmm. And from our boomer generation where they thought they had to be independent, they couldn't show weakness, they couldn't show emotion because the perception was that if you did, it meant something was wrong with you. You are broken. You are less than. You are all these other things that are not fair. And so emotional well-being, emotional wholeness, um, transparency, 
uh, vulnerability. These are not skills that were trained or taught into young boys. It wasn't modeled, it wasn't mentored, and it wasn't educated through our education system. And so we have a generation of men who have been kind of left to their own devices, which their perception is overused testosterone was the only way that they could assert their power, which is nothing more than fear and lack. They operate from less than. Hmm. So when we see what we perceive as bravado and machismo is actually an expression of insecurity. Yes. And young boys are taught that or, or perceive that and believe that that's the way they should become. And now suddenly we have toxic masculinity. And because they're coming from a place of lack, they're trying to assert themselves to take what they think is theirs because they don't think there's going to be any more. And this becomes this cycle of pain inside masculinity. And here we have a world that has completely changed out from under us and has become far more conscious, far more engaged, far more present. And there's too many men that are ill-equipped to become the men they need to become in this generation. And that's where my name came from, Evolve Men. Because in the same way the world has evolved, it's time for men to evolve as well. And myself and many other men that are in this practice are doing our utmost to bring men into this place of being present, engaged, and conscious about how they see the world and how they support their families, their wives, their kids in a way that brings empowerment to everyone involved. And, you know, it's sad that a lot of these things have gone the way that they have, but what's sadder is that as a culture, we haven't learned to be able to communicate in a way that actually supports young men. Instead, we, we place them in places of buffoonery. On TV, we make them a mockery. And we allow this message that men are weak or dumb or stupid to be perpetuated throughout our medium. And now art is now letting our lives echo that. It used to be that, that art would, you know, imitate life, but now life is imitating art. And young boys are thinking that they need to be either hyper toxic masculine or they revert to complete weakness and in, um, in, incapable of making decisions and standing on their own. So they walk in a place of detachment, uh, being numb and being, um, irresponsible of uh, ramifications of their behavior or their engagement. And it's really, really sad. Um, it's some really, really deep issues, but as hopefully you can tell, I'm trying to change it. Yep. Why do you choose only men? Because of all these reasons or like, is there any specific reason that you choose only to help men? Uh, well, I think I just laid out the whole reason. That's exactly why I do it. That's what I just asked. Like, yeah, is that yeah, the same right? reason? Or like, yeah. Do I need another? Um, and I wish there were more men that understood this. Um, ironically, the women that hear me and my message and what I do are like, when are you going to start working with women? And I'm like, I get it. I get it. And eventually there will be another brand for Evolve Women because I want you women to understand men in a different context and to be able to operate and engage in a way that um, you know, is healthy amongst both genders. And, and, and that brings up a whole nother topic is because men have been, you know, absent in many of these quotients, 
some women have become bitter and are angry and, and in some ways justified in the way they perceive relationships or marriage or men in general. Um, and so we'll come back around to that one. Let me get some guys on track for a little bit first and rally the troops. Then I'm going to turn around and, and we're going to bring uh, relationships to the forefront. And that's part of my background. I used to work in that area. My wife and I did a lot of counseling for marriages. Um, and we'll get back to that. But for me, my mission, my calling, my reason for doing what I do is because I know that when I impact a man's life, I dramatically increase the likelihood of their marriage staying intact, that their marriage being healthy and whole and a city on a hill that cannot be hid. It's like a light that shines in the darkness because a marriage has been saved. And that reciprocates into their children. When a father that can be present and engaged and conscious and who is uh, focused on bettering their children to stand on their own shoulders, we change a legacy. You take that into the workplace where a man is not operating out of a, a behavioral methodology where everything is based on their performance and they're hyper-competitive. If we eradicate that and see that they can operate from a place of abundance, they can operate from a place of source and supply, and now they walk into a room with nothing to gain, nothing to prove, nothing to lose because their confidence just in simply who they are, and they assert that kind of presence and power, and people want to follow them. They become incredible leaders. And they're not like trying to be the boss anymore. And they're completely comfortable with everyone else getting theirs and not having to feel like they're missing out. I mean, this stuff has a long tail on it that is so freaking powerful. That's why I do what I do. Absolutely. In your bio, I have read you work with um, high achievers. For a high achiever, it is hard to let go of the ego, at least to my understanding uh, with the men that I have around, I have seen. How do you actually like coach them or like tell them what their problems are? What would be your approach? Yeah, yeah. so you, you, you mentioned before, and, and this is you know, one of the challenges to what I do because it's really hard for a man to approach someone like me. Yes. Um, I'm threatening to some men. And yet high achievers love to have somebody get in their face. And so I approach it from a place of pressure. People who are high achievers got there because they work well under pressure. The problem is they've created the wrong kinds of pressure around themselves, where either they're the bottleneck and they feel like they have to make all the, the uh, decisions, they're the answers for everyone's questions, and now there's kind of a power struggle for what needs to happen. And as such, they are the bottleneck and they're holding themselves back, holding the company back, holding their teams back from what's possible. That becomes highly aggravating, annoying, and overwhelming. So that man falls into greater stress, greater anxiety, greater coping mechanisms, higher blood pressure, and less health benefits because they are in a place that they have created in and of themselves. So when I get up in their face and I'm like, you are responsible for your own shit, that gets an attention. Now for them to come to me on their own, um, like I said, is really challenging, but the more they're around my brand and who I am, the more safe they feel. Because the one thing I know about men, and this also goes for women, just note, most of the stuff I use for men also works for women, 
it's course. just because of how I approach it and the fact that I am a male, they receive it. And it's simply this. Everything in isolation feels and seems normal. And when men become so about their head, they're so internal, they think whatever they're experiencing is the thing that, you know, it's just the hand I've been dealt, just the cards I've been played, and this is just the way everyone else thinks too. And I was like, no, it is not. Let me introduce you to a whole bunch of men who are experiencing the same crap you're experiencing and have come out on the other side. Yeah. And suddenly they go, what? This is possible? You mean I can wake up, look in the mirror, and actually be proud of who I am and what I do? Are you kidding me? That's possible? And the moment that a, a high-achieving, ambitious man realizes that they don't have to do what they do for validation, like that's a game changer. Yes. Like the clients I work with have never felt so much peace. The relationships have never been better. Like they... I had one of them to talk to, I just talked to, he just got offered a job to go be a CTO for a company. It was going to make him two and a half million dollars over the next four years. And he turned it down. He's like, I have never been so powerful and so confident because I can build out my consultancy and make 10 times that. Why would I say yes to that job offer? Like this is really, really empowering stuff. And it, not from a swagger, not from a ego not from narcissism, but from a place of true personal power. Yes. When a man understands that their place of power is a place of support, not of one of dominance, the game changes. And when a woman sees a man in that state, he is drop dead sexy. Like that dude is sexy as hell. You know, and so I tell my men, like, you don't understand the level of self-awareness you have lost in your pursuit of your own head. Everything that you've got trapped in your brain that you think you're chasing after is a fucking story you told yourself. And nobody else believes your bullshit but you. You made up that story. You created that requirement or that goal or that source of validation. And if we can reverse engineer it and find the stories that you've told yourself and change that story, you'll get new beliefs. Those new beliefs will create new behaviors. That new behavior will create a new reality. So what is your process like if you are coaching somebody? What is your process like to start with a person? Well, the first thing I do is I take them into new uh, routines. Um, a lot of the way we think is based on what's in our head, right? So these are the stories I just talked about. So it's a great segue. Creating those new stories is a product of um, developing the way you see yourself because our brains are these incredible computers. What data you put in is the data you put out. It's yeah. actually super complex and super simple all at the same time. And so all of the things you've listened to throughout your life, throughout your career, or whatever, you've told yourself stories about all those experiences, created a narrative, and then out of your mouth, you'll speak that narrative into the world, and then the world will agree or, or validate the way you believe about you. That's the way our brain works. But if what you've believed about you are based on all these crap stories, then your reality just validates all the crappy ways you believe about you and the world. And so if we start to change that, transform that, and that's the work I do in the, in the first lift that I work with my clients is to help change that belief system. 
I take them through a series of exercises where on the routine side, they have a daily manifesto. I call it the 10 morning uh, motivator. And that 10 minute motivator helps them shift the way they see themselves through some principles or a worldview, some affirmations that are attached with emotion. So it's not only this is what I say about myself, but this is how this makes me feel in my optimum state. Gives them a vision board, connects them to a literal manifesto, which is a story of this newfound self, and all of it positioned to see themselves on a higher level, a higher echelon, a higher state of being. And basically, they're indoctrinating themselves to seeing this man they've always wanted to be. You start to rehearse that on a daily basis. Your brain is now processing all that information. And eventually, your brain will seek to validate that belief. And now it will go out to seek to attract or create the experiences, opportunities, and relationships that match that new belief system. And you do that often enough, and what happens is you start to shift the experiences because now you believe higher-level things about yourself. You start engaging in higher-level ways with higher-level people, and therefore higher-level opportunities become yours, higher-level relationships, higher-level experiences, and you start upgrading who you are and how you show up in the world and everything around your world will have to agree. And you'll have to lose some relationships that were holding you back. You're going to have to let go of old stories that you want to held on to. And you have to give up the excuses or the blame or the victim mentality that you once thought was so important. And now you operate in a place of personal power. And that's kind of the exercise I take them through. And there's a lot more to it, some other exercises that are engaged to make all of this possible. But in the course of about three months, I take where a man was at and completely shift their inside. And then their outside starts to agree. And they're like, what in the world, Angus? I'm like, you think it's all about tactics, shifting your business strategy, your marketing strategy, your sales strategy. And I would tell you this, Long before you get to tactics, it comes to the way that you think, the way that you believe. Because as a man thinks, so is he in this world. And when you see the power and the audacity, the level of dominion and authority and creative process you have inside of you, and you can walk in that kind of incredible uh, fusion of, of universe and do it from a place of humility, and do it from a place of serving, like you're, you become unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. And that's my favorite thing is once that man lights up, everything else changes. And again, the quality of their marriage, the quality of their income, the quality of their engagement with their kids and their presence. And they start putting their phones down at night they start closing their laptops earlier. And they start being alive again. When you are hearing the stories of all these people trying to get help from you, have you ever felt that you need an outlet, you wanted to go for a therapy, for a counseling, or any of that stuff? Uh, no, because I put in all the work first. Um, I don't really see myself going for therapy per se. Um, I have coaches and that's kind of my therapy is they call me out on my BS. They call me out on the stuff that are my limiting beliefs. Um, I'm getting challenged by one of my, my, uh, well, this one's not my coach, but I let him coach me. One of my peers actually, 
And uh, he's like, what are you charging? I told him what I was charging these days. And he's like, Angus, you've got to raise your prices. And I know from my background, I have money stories where I believe like, oh, this is what I'm you know, capable of charging for this. And now the caliber of men that I'm working with and the level of value my services bring have caused me to like realize that it's worth more money to the people that I serve. And people who pay, pay attention. And therefore, the more they pay, the more attention they pay as well. And so I just quoted a price to somebody yesterday, and he said, yes. And then he said, I thought it was actually going to be more expensive than this. And I'm like, damn it, I love money on the table. (laughs) And it's okay. Like, this is all part of the process. When I first started, it's five years, almost six years ago, um, I, I definitely didn't know my value. And now I'm supporting my entire family and a team. I never thought I could do that before, yeah. you know, and it's little, this just, you know, it's the power of shifts in your belief. And um, one of the things I say is you're one mind shift away from the life that you can love. And that's the power of our thinking. When we shift in our heads, the crap stories we've been telling ourselves, we show up differently. You might have heard from a lot of people that you coach, uh, like a testimony that they have changed or your help to them have given them a complete different perspective of life or anything. In such a way, what is the most satisfying comment or testimony that you got back in your entire career that made you feel like, yes, this is what I'm doing this for? The one? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it super simple. Every time I get off a call and they shoot me a text and said, thank you, that was great. I'm not looking for the big wins where someone says, uh, my company just dropped $10 million. Oh my God. Like I have hundred million dollar health tech founders. I have uh, agency uh, owners who make, you know, three, $4 million a year. Like I, I've got people who do really cool things. I've worked with celebrities who get on stage with Carrie Underwood. I've got another client who works with Darius Rucker. Like I've got a dude dad who's on the Magnolia channel. Um, his show is called super dad. Like I've worked with influencers. I've worked with executives. I've worked with, you know, high power players. I know that the little shifts that I make on one call have that butterfly effect. They make a massive difference. And so for me, I just know that when a dude says, thank you, that was great. That means something. Yes. For a dude to say that is kind of a big deal. And ladies, if you're listening, when your man responds to you in little ways, those little subtleties of saying thank you and I see you, that's pretty big for a dude to do. And you reward him for that. And he's just like a dog. <laughs> Don't mean to be demeaning, fellas, but you know it's true. You're going to come back with your tail wagging saying, how can I do that again? And it becomes like um, this reciprocal thing. 
And this is what we don't understand in relationships. And I'll shift the conversation just slightly is we think we have to give something and it becomes transactional. Like if I give you this, you're going to give me that. So the lady says, if I give you sex, then you're going to give me love. You know, the guy says, hey, you give me sex and I'll give you a car or <laughs> whatever, something stupid like that. And we make it super transactional instead of how can I serve my partner and make them feel safe? Because if you can just focus on just that, those two principles, serve, safe. What happens is that person responds with wanting to serve you and make you feel safe too. And that becomes like an engine, kind of like pistons in a, in a motor where we just pop, 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 just serving and making people feel safe. It's one of the easiest ways for relationships to find healing and wholeness is when we come to it from that perspective. What was the biggest challenge that you found in your career? That was a bonus for you, by the way. You didn't ask that one. I just gave that one. I'm sorry. What was your question again? <laughs> no, I wrote down the questions even before I asked you. You were yeah, just yeah. going through one after the other. Yeah, I was sure. about to ask you about like, yeah, when do you start women uh, coaching for women? Without yeah. even asking that question, you already answered that. So yeah. yes, you are on a roll. So I'm not going to yeah, stop yeah. you there. So the next question I was asking is like, what, what was the biggest challenge that you had so far in your career? Um, the biggest challenge in my career? Well, obviously, you know, how I started my story was probably my biggest one because that was such a pivotal change. Um, however, I had a lot of other, you know, low seasons in my life too, as I was kind of like, trying to figure this all out. I mean, when I first stepped out to be a coach six years ago, it fell flat on my face. I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know how to position it. I thought if I build it, they will come. So I didn't market it the way I should. And furthermore, I didn't initiate conversations. And especially when you work with men, like I do most of my sales on direct messages. Like I have to initiate the conversation. And the moment I do, the guy's like, and they just kind of unload. Like, I want to talk to you about this and I want to talk about that and da 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 da. But until then, they've, they're holding their cards really tight to their chest. So that's a piece of my shift for myself came when that didn't work when I first started my business and I took another job as a consultant. And for nine months, we were working with these big brands. We had a team of, there were five of us, um, four had worked with, well, three of them had worked in ma massive corporations prior. And then uh, one of them was big uh, data analytics guy. And then I was focused on the future of work. And it was a very long sales cycle. They all had large 401ks, you know, that they were just kind of feeding off of to fill in the gaps. And I didn't have that. And so I just kept exhausting all of my savings until it was gone and then living on credit cards till I was 50 grand in debt. And now what? Like, where do you go from here? And ironically, my wife and I uh, were hired by a client to um, teach social media on a cruise ship to do a pilot program that we had initiated because this luxury brand wanted to have uh, more clients, you know, come onto their ships, you know, more, more, you know, um, I forget what you call them, patrons, I don't know. 
And um, so our idea, our concept was create FOMO, you know, uh, fear of missing out. People who are affluent have friends and family who are also affluent. So let's teach them how to use social media appropriately. And so we taught a social media uh, course on the ship. And so here my wife and I were on this luxury cruise ship with politicians and actors and, you know, big wigs in business and super luxurious. We're in the, we went from Athens, Greece to all these different places and ended up in uh, Venice. So it was gorgeous, amazing. Everything was included, all the alcohol, all the food, all the, the online or onshore excursions. I got about $400 left to my name. And my wife and I are like, we have no idea what we're going to do when we get home. And we're surrounded by all this luxury. And we had like this divine spark. And there's a, a scripture. My dad was a pastor. There's a scripture that says, you shall, um, you shall yield from fields you have not sown. And I, for whatever reason, that sparked in my head. You will reap from seeds you have not sown. And I thought, baby, we're going to be all right. Like something's going to shift. And in the next few months, it didn't shift right away, but like money just started showing up, just kept appearing. And then we decided to sell our house. And it was a hard decision. Like we had gotten some good equity in our home. We paid off all the debt. We moved in a two-bedroom apartment. And unfortunately, it was by a lake, so it was gorgeous. But our family of four and a big old labradoodle crammed into a two-bedroom apartment for a year to kind of start all over. And suddenly something in me shifted. And that's where we saw this acceleration in my business and who I was as a human being. I started reading about mindset. I started reading about my money story. I started reading about kind of the practical side of psychology. Because I knew all the stuff from the, you know, the consulting and coaching. But now it was like dealing with kind of the, the little things that are the linchpins that set you free. And we accelerated. And it's been a crazy ride ever since. And so that's probably the biggest kind of like shift for me was when we lost it all, how fast we got it back. And people think, you know, like if you win the lottery, oh, my life is amazing. But data shows you that in five years, most of those people are bankrupt because they don't have the financial integrity, the, the foundational belief that they deserve, that they're worthy, and that they have what it takes when that money arrives. And that's true in all the areas of our life is we believe, am I worthy? Do I deserve or do I have what it takes? And if we don't have those three things, we will sabotage whatever we have. And that's when people hit ceilings. That's when people get these thresholds. Like, why can't I get past this income level? Why can't I get past this many sales? Why can't I get past this quota? Why can't I get dot, dot, dot? It's because there's a belief system in you that's holding you hostage. And in order for you to get set free from that is you need to change your beliefs, which brings us right back to where we started. I went through all of that myself and continually to do and continue to do that. And as I do, every time I do, my business grows, my marriage grows, my relationship with my kids grow because I'm doing the work. And so I'm making that shit contagious. How old were you when you restarted uh, your life? 
uh, you know, that first time around, I was 31, 32, somewhere around there. If somebody asks, like, how different are you from other coaches? Because there are a lot of coaches all around. Mm -hmm. What could be your uh, response or like, how do you, it, it, it's not like convincing them, but at the same yeah. time, you're giving your pitch or like whatever that you wanted to say. So how do you yeah. say it? What makes you different, right? Um, so the defining piece that makes me different is I walk this shit out. Like there are people who are textbook smart. And then there are people who are street smart. Yes. I've walked through abuse of myself and my own um, addictions and come out on the other side. And then after that, catapulted myself through my own grit and ambition and networking and sheer, I don't know what my deal is. Um, <laughs> I built something out of nothing in my entire career every time. Like I have just had that kind of perseverance. And suddenly I'm working in corporate America, like I said, with you know, some of the top CEOs in, in, the, in the globe. How did I do that? I don't have like, hey, when you're sitting down with your high school uh, career counselor, this is the path you want to pursue. Like there was none of that. But I can tell you this, because of the skills that I learned in this process, because of the things I endured, the things I lived through, I know that life happens for you and not to you. It gives you wisdom, insight, and an advantage for your future. And therefore, who I am today and how I show up is a product of the lessons I've learned and the, and the, the man that I've become. So when I come to a client and they say, well, what's different about you? They see it in me through my words, my actions. They see the authenticity. They feel my vibe. And it's like, that guy is no bullshit. And when we talk, that's also what a lot of my clients say is, this guy is not afraid to get in my face. Because I know to serve you, I have to provoke you. Because the pressure that you've applied to yourself that we were talking about before we can shift that pressure to say, who is the man you must become in order to do what you see in your heart to achieve? That's a different kind of pressure. Because what I know is every one of these high-performing men I work with are really good at rising to the occasion. So if you level up an expectation in their personal transformation, they will find a way to show up. And so I just shift the pressure from the stuff they've been feeling. I take that away, help them to delegate, get into operations, let go of responsibilities, get rid of all the excuses of why they need to do what they think they're supposed to be doing that they don't need to be doing. Suddenly they have margin. Suddenly, suddenly they have time. Suddenly they have white space. They can see the world differently. We channel that into appropriating them into things and behaviors that are going to cause them to move forward, and they move forward faster than they ever thought possible. The right pressure is applied. They rise to the occasion, and suddenly they're sitting on top of everything at 30,000, 40,000 feet, being able to get a bird's eye view on their business and their priorities and say, you know what? This is what I want, or this is not what I want. What I truly want is, and I have the theorem of the Spice Girls who said, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And now I've got them clear to say, tell me what you want. And now they have the audacity to pursue it in a place that's healthy and whole. What do you that's ever what makes me different. <laughs> Thank you. 
Would you be, would you ever be in a trouble when you are provoking them with questions or like getting into that kind of a conversation with anybody? Uh, dudes pay me a handsome amount of money to get in their face. <laughs> I don't get in trouble. Um, and when I get into their face, I'm doing it from a place of love and care. And I do my background to know the, the buttons to push with each one of my clients. Um, this is a, have you ever seen the movie Miracle? No. Um, every great coach will know this from a sporting uh, context. Uh, uh, what's the guy's Russell? Um, not Kirk Russell. I forget his name. Uh, last name's Russell. He's the head coach for the story of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. And Miracle is this team that was a miracle. There's no way they should have taken gold at the U.S. Olympics. And he's out coaching um, all the other coaches because he's using all of these new um, psychology into how he's working with his players. And he's getting them to work harder than they've ever worked before. He's helping them to stay in better conditioning so they can outskate the Russians. And that's his whole focus and goal. But he has some members of his team that have to learn how to operate as a team and instead of being individuals. And so there's a scene in the movie where there's a guy who takes a hit and he's, he's got a bruised thigh and he's like, coach, I can't go in, I'm done. And he's like, well, if that's what you think. And he's like, no, coach, I can't go in. He's like, yeah. And he starts kind of feeding into like, you're, you're a quitter, you're a loser uh, because you think you can't go in and I know you can. And the kid gets furious with them. You don't know what I'm going. Yeah, da, 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 da. And the coach walks out after he's got this kid completely fired up and throwing things against the wall. And he comes out with a smirk on his face and looks at the, the assistant coach and said, that'll get him going. And the kid gets back on the ice and performs at a high level when he thought he couldn't. And this is what great coaches do. They reach down and pull out the greatness in those they serve. Because they know these men so well, they have more in the tank and they have a connection to them in such a way that I see you. And I'm going to call out your greatness because right now you don't see it. And I believe my whole mission in life is to remind powerful men just how powerful they are. What is success in your words? Reminding powerful men just how powerful they are. <laughs> you know, to me, success is not about the money. It's not about position. It's not about power. It's not about fame. It's not about esteem. To me, success is having a life you love. And that can look so different for so many people. But if you can wake up in the morning and feel satisfied and fulfilled, you are a successful creature. And few people recognize just how successful they actually are. You are more than you think you are. You just are. We were created in a world and a universe where the sun shines, the grass grows, the wind blows, and none of us really know why. We know that the universe is expanding and there's something behind all of this. And we don't all know exactly what that is. Some would say from a faith perspective, some from a science perspective, some from... A, 
agnostic perspective. All I know is that we are part of a creative force. And that creative force is one of expansion. And in the same way that the universe is continuing to expand, in the same way I can leave my backyard alone for a couple of months and it'll turn into a jungle, I know that everything in the world expands. How much more should we ourselves choose to expand? Relationally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, all of these things are capable and in our hands for us to expand. And it's our opportunity not to wield our future, but rather to yield to the greatness that's within us. And that same level of expansion that created the world is the only thing in us that makes us different as a species. We have creative force as well. And in that agency, we can take audacity, creativity, uh, power, like give it whatever word you want. We have the capacity to do great and amazing things because simply we are human. And so therefore it's incumbent on us to take responsibility for ourselves, to get whatever we need to go to wherever we feel we need to go because your intuition is calling you. Your intuition, your gut is saying, come here, come higher, come and experience these things. And all of us, for so many reasons, have to face a fear in that moment. And Joseph Campbell said this. He said that in the fear, that place, he said, in the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure that you seek. And so your fear oftentimes is an invitation for you to actually finally step out into the audaciousness that you are capable of to become the man or woman that you've always known on some level you could be. And finally, you've given yourself permission to be. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.